Good morning. Today is Monday, July 27th, 2020. I'd like to share something with you this morning that is an application of several different lessons that I have shared recently. And uh, it's taken from an article written by Charlie Wurzel that appeared in the New York Times called How to Actually Talk to Anti-Maskers. So the immediate subject is the subject of wearing masks. And I hope that you will agree with me that wearing masks now is essential. Uh, to my mind, the science is overwhelming and uh, it is the law and certainly we do apply it here. Um, but the, uh, the application of what I want to say, uh, what I want to share with you, really applies in every area of life. So this is just a, uh, an example or one application of a set of principles that I think can be helpful to us in really every area of life. So the question is, um, you have uh, the, the society is divided between those people who are wearing masks or are least recognize the benefit of masks and those people who are anti-maskers. I'm not going to do it. You're infringing on my rights and uh, you can't make me and I'm not going to do it. So um, in 2014, there was an Ebola epidemic in Western Africa, and it was very bad. And part of what made it so bad is that there were people who were resisting the advice of public health officials. Um, they would hide their symptoms and continue to be around other people, thus infecting other people. They continued to practice certain uh, burial rituals which were very high risk and caused a lot of transmission of the diseased. And um, there were people spreading conspiracy theories uh, about the virus that uh, really it was spread by Westerners or there was no virus, it was a hoax. And so there was a, a, a big problem in terms of uh, public health of people not listening to what the experts were saying. Of course, similar to what we have today, although today it's on a much larger scale. But in 2014, the World Health Organization did a very smart thing. They sent a man named Cheikh Niang, Dr. Niang, who is from Senegal, and he is a medical anthropologist. And they sent him to West Africa to find out what's going on there, why are people acting like this, and most importantly, how do we get them to be more compliant in the public health measures that are necessary to combat this epidemic. So he went down there and he spent hours and hours in people's homes and he said, as he came into each home, he said, I'm not here to lecture. I want to listen. Tell me your story. And he sat in people's homes for hours on end and people told him why they were not wearing a masks, how important these rituals were to them, why they disbelieved the 
um, the advice of these experts who were all mostly all foreigners. And he listened to them. And then after they had finished speaking and he had heard what they said, he said to them, I hear you and I want to help you, but we do have this epidemic spreading and we need your help. And we need you to take these measures and to stop these risky procedures. And he said, in general, they agreed and they trusted him. And it turns out that the people that Dr. Niang were, was speaking to, they were not selfish. They were not anti-scientists. They were scared. They felt stripped of their dignity by officials who did not respect them or understand their traditions. And what they needed was someone to listen to them and to feel for, for them to be able to feel that they had some type of agency, that they had some type of control over their lives. And now here we are five years later, and Dr. Niang says, it's like deja vu. He's seeing public health officials dispense advice arrogantly, while frustrated populations rebel and anger and endanger others. He sees it happening again. And he is trying to give advice based on his experience in 2014 to point out what health officials today are doing wrong and how they can do it better. Now, obviously today, certainly in North America, there are many reasons that people resist wearing masks. And again, I want to universalize this. I'm not only talking about this one subject, but just supply any major endeavor to get people to act in a proper way, physically, health-wise, spiritually, and the same lessons apply. And the first lesson that this doctor teaches is if people are suspicious and you're trying to get them to make changes that are outside of their experience, the first thing you have to do is you have to listen to them. You have to hear what the problems are, what the hesitation is, what is really at stake. Because only after you have listened carefully can you then begin to provide the guidance that will actually be heard. There's another aspect to this that is pointed out in this article. And that is that the way that public health officials since the beginning of this have unfolded their messages, shared their messages, they have done so unfortunately in ways that have endangered trust. One official said that what we see today is not so much a medical crisis as a messaging crisis because public health officials have been unwilling to engage in nuance. All advice ends up being binary. 
it's absolutely one way or the other way, when it should be shades of gray. It happened with uh, masks. It happened with states opening. First, public health officials said states must open completely. And then they said, no, they shouldn't. But of course, it's not a yes or no. There's a certain gray element. It's got to be done, but it has to be done very carefully, very slowly, very gradually. And when you do it all at once, crisis erupts. And if you don't do it all, crisis also erupts. Economic crisis, psychological and emotional crisis. The issue with masks is very important. First of all, because experts changed their minds. Early on, experts said that masks were not so important. Now it has become crystal clear that masks are absolutely essential, perhaps the most important. One of the two or three most important measures people can take to not only to protect others, but to protect themselves. But the problem is a couple of months ago, you said it wasn't so important. Well, because we didn't understand how it worked a couple of months ago. So explain that you made a mistake. So say that you were wrong. Say that the science has caught up. But too many public health officials are not willing to do that. They simply say, this is what you have to do today. And if you don't do this today, you're bad and you're wrong and you're harming society. Now, all that may actually be true, but you're not going to be able to convince someone unless they trust you. And public health officials, through their own actions, have lost a certain amount of trust by not being willing to admit that they were wrong, by not being willing to admit that the way they understood it earlier is not the way they understand it now. And also, let's be honest, by not always telling the truth. So you may remember early on, in the very early stages, many public health officials said masks were not necessary. It turned out at that stage that the reason they were saying that is because the masks were more urgently needed by men medical professionals and there was not enough PPE to go around. So it was less dire for those people in the community, more dire for those people in hospitals treating patients every day. And so uh, uh, public health officials rationalized that response. Mask wearing is not so important but really the real reason was, yes, it was important, but there was a higher priority. But when people learned about that, the message the people got was, you can't really trust what they say. It's a trust in credibility. It's a, it's a crisis in credibility. It's a crisis in being able to trust that the information that is being given is correct. It would have been much better if people would have said at the very beginning, masks are important for everybody. It's just that we don't have enough around to go for everybody. And right now we need to concentrate on those who are at the greatest risk, serving in the hospital. But they didn't do that. One expert said, we don't apologize. Instead, we cast judgments and say, okay, now you're not wearing a mask. You're a bad person. That approach destroys credibility and it alienates people. 
it would have been much better for professionals and experts to be open about the truth and about the reasons for the advice that they give. One expert said that it's possible that the reversal on masks opened the door for the culture war we're now experiencing around face coverings. Obviously, in North America, certainly in the United States, politics has played a tremendous role in this. And I'd rather stay away from this now because I have some strong feelings about it that I prefer not to share right now. Um, but um, there's another layer to this problem. In every generation, a society needs to learn for themselves to trust government and to trust science. It doesn't happen automatically. Every generation has to learn this anew, and that means in every generation, public health officials need to work to gain people's trust. We have to do everything we can to attempt to understand and acknowledge why people may not be adopting strategies if we are going to be successful in changing that. People have to talk about why wearing masks is difficult. I will share my own experience. I hate wearing a mask. I find it uncomfortable. I find it um, makes me look strange. I find that um, it's difficult for me to concentrate on prayers because I'm distracted by the irritation of the mask. It certainly makes it difficult for me to speak publicly. And I absolutely understand those people who for reasons like that don't want to wear masks. But I wear a mask religiously, notwithstanding the difficulty, because I am absolutely convinced by the medical science that it saves lives, my own and others. We have to recognize why it's so difficult. But then we have to provide the information of why it is so important. And not just wearing a mask, but wearing a mask properly. I see people all around wearing a mask under their chin. Okay? So the chin will not get coronavirus, but the rest of the body will get it. It's meaningless. I see people wearing a mask hanging from one ear. I see people wearing a mask over their mouth and not their nose. Meaningless. The only way that that would help is if you had a, um, a clothespin, clothespin that you put over your nose at the same time. As long as you're breathing out of your nose without it being covered, it's just as dangerous, as, perhaps more dangerous than breathing out of your mouth. The problem is, as one writer wrote, when you mix science and politics, 
you get politics. And unfortunately, politics has become part of it. The idea that somehow wearing a mask or not wearing a mask is some type of political statement or ideological statement is something that is very, very damaging to public health. And here's the bigger problem, because it's not only about masks, because if we're seeing a lack of credibility of public health officials on the subject of masks, imagine the distrust we are going to see when there is a vaccine ready. Because you understand, with all of the effort to find a vaccine, people still have to get it into their arm. And if people are untrusting, then having a vaccine will not help either. And all of the efforts are not helping. The U.S. government that gave the name to their effort to find a vaccine, Operation Warp Speed. I don't think that's a very good name. I don't think that's a name that inspires confidence that they're really going to make sure that it works and doesn't hurt people before they start to use it. To me, that name seems to indicate we're just going to do it as fast as we can, no matter what the damage. It's a very poor choice of name. But that's part of this poor messaging that is not taking into account what people are afraid of. People are afraid that it's going too fast, that it will not be safe, that it is not being tested properly. It appears that Americans trust in public health and the institutions of government will be worse off after the pandemic subsides than it was at the start. And that would be terrible, not only for this, but for the future. Public health officials have a lot to do and politicians have a lot to answer for in the damage that they are causing by making this into a political issue. You cannot force public trust. You have to earn it by being humble and transparent and by listening. Dr. Niang finally said, an epidemic is not only technical and medical. A disease is cured not only by science or vaccines, but also by building consensus, by restoring dignity and restoring trust. Most conflicts in life can be dealt with in this manner, can be responded to in this manner, by listening first, by building consensus, by avoiding arrogance, by being willing to admit when we are wrong or when we are uncertain, those are all very important factors that make whatever it is we are trying to accomplish, whatever it is that we want to convince someone else of, those steps are necessary in every area of life. Be humble.
listen, don't be arrogant. Hear what the other person's concerns are first. Treat that person with dignity, even if you cannot have admiration or agreement or dignity for the opinion that they are espousing. Treat the person with dignity. That's when you'll have the best chance to affect change. I hope that our public health officials, and even more so our politicians, will learn these lessons of how to regain trust and credibility so that the information that they give, which will save lives, has the chance to do so. Because if people aren't listening, it doesn't matter what you've come up with. Hopefully, these are steps that will help. My friends, I wish you all a great day. Have a safe day. And I look forward to seeing all of you soon in person.